0: Chapter 7 of The Double, a Petersburg poem by Fyodor Dostoevsky, translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 7 He recovered himself a little on the staircase as he went up to his flat. Oh, I'm a sheep's head, he railed at himself inwardly. Where am I taking him? I'm thrusting my head into the noose. What will Petrushka think, seeing us together? What will the scoundrel dare to imagine now? He's suspicious, but it was too late to regret it. Mr. golyadkin knocked at the door. It was opened, and Petrushka began taking off the visitor's coat, as well as his master's. Mr. golyadkin looked askance, just stealing a glance at Petrushka, trying to read his countenance and divine what he was thinking, but to his intense astonishment he saw that his servant showed no trace of surprise, but seemed, on the contrary, to be expecting something of the sort. Of course, he did look morose, as it was. He kept his eyes turned away and looked as though he would like to fall upon somebody. "'Hasn't somebody bewitched them all today?' thought our hero. "'Some devil must have got round them. There certainly must be something peculiar in the whole lot of them today. Damn it all, what a worry it is!' Such were Mr. Goliadkin's thoughts and reflections, as he led his visitor into his room and politely asked him to sit down. The visitor appeared to be greatly embarrassed. He was very shy, and humbly watched every movement his host made, caught his glance, and seemed trying to divine his thoughts from them. There was a downtrodden, crushed, scared look about all his gestures, so that, if the comparison may be allowed, he was at that moment rather like the man who, having lost his clothes, is dressed up in somebody else's. The sleeves work up to the elbows, the waist is almost up to his neck, and he keeps every minute pulling down the short waistcoat he wriggles sideways and turns away tries to hide himself or peeps into every face and listens whether people are talking of his position laughing at him or putting him to shame and he is crimson with shame and overwhelmed with confusion and wounded vanity mr golyadkin put down his hat in the window and carelessly sent it flying to the floor the visitor darted at once to pick it up brushed off the dust, and carefully put it back, while he laid his own on the floor near a chair, on the edge of which he meekly seated himself. This little circumstance did something to open Mr. Goyadkin's eyes. He realized that the man was in great straits, and did not put himself out for his visitor as he had done at first, very properly leaving all that to the man himself. The visitor, for his part, did nothing either, whether he was shy, a little ashamed, or from politeness was waiting for his host to begin is not certain, and would be difficult to determine. At that moment, Petrushka came in. He stood still in the doorway and fixed his eyes in the direction furthest from where the visitor and his master were seated. Shall I bring in dinner for two? He said carelessly in a husky voice. I, I don't know, yet, yet, yes, but bring in dinner for two, my boy. Petrushka went out. Mr. Golyadkin glanced at his visitor, the latter crimsoned to his ears. Mr. golyadkin was a kind-hearted man, and so in the kindness of his heart he at once elaborated a theory. The fellow's hard up, he thought. Yes, and in his situation only one day. Most likely he suffered in his time. Maybe his good clothes are all that he has, and nothing to get him a dinner. Ah, poor fellow, how crushed he seems.' but no matter in a way it's better so excuse me began mr Boyadkin. allow me to ask what i may call you i-i-i'm yakov petrovitch his visitor almost whispered as though conscience-stricken and ashamed as though apologizing for being called yakov petrovitch too yakov petrovitch repeated our hero unable to conceal his confusion yes just so the same name as yours responded the meek visitor venturing to smile and speak a little jocosely but immediately he drew back assuming a very serious air though a little disconcerted noticing that his host was in no joking mood you allow me to ask you to what am i indebted for the honour knowing your generosity and your benevolence interposed the visitor in a rapid but timid voice half rising from his seat i have ventured to appeal to you and to beg for your acquaintance and protection He concluded, choosing his phrases with difficulty, and trying to select words not too flattering or servile, that he might not compromise his dignity, and not so bold as to suggest an unseemly equality. In fact, one may say the visitor behaved like a gentlemanly beggar, with a darned waistcoat, with an honorable passport in his pocket, who has not yet learnt by practice to hold out his hand properly for alms. You perplex me, answered Mr. Goliadkin, gazing round at himself, his walls, and his visitor. In what could I, that is, I mean, in in what way could I be of service to you? I felt drawn to you, Yakov Petrovich, at first sight, and graciously forgive me. I built my hopes on you. I made bold to build my hopes on you, Yakov Petrovich. I'm in a desperate plight here, Yakov Petrovich. I'm poor. I've had a great deal of trouble, Yakov Petrovich and have only recently come here learning that you with your innate goodness and excellence of heart are of the same name mr Goyotkin frowned of the same name as myself and a native of the same district i made up my mind to appeal to you and to make known to you my difficult position very good very good i really don't know what to say mr Goyotkin responded in an embarrassed voice we'll have a talk after dinner the visitor bowed. Dinner was brought in. Petrushka laid the table, and Mr. Golyadkin and his visitor proceeded to partake of it. The dinner did not last long, for they were both in a hurry, the host because he felt ill at ease, and was, besides, ashamed that the dinner was a poor one. He was partly ashamed because he wanted to give the visitor a good meal, and partly because he wanted to show him he did not live like a beggar the visitor on his side too was in terrible confusion and extremely embarrassed when he had finished the piece of bread he had taken he was afraid to put out his hand to take another piece was ashamed to help himself to the best morsels and was continually assuring his host that he was not at all hungry that the dinner was excellent that he was absolutely satisfied with it and should not forget it to his dying day when the meal was over mr goliadkin lighted his pipe and offered a second which was brought in to the visitor they sat facing each other and the visitor began telling his adventures mr golyadkin jr's story lasted for three or four hours his history was however composed of the most trivial and wretched if one may say so incidents it dealt with the details of service in some law court in the provinces of prosecutors and presidents of some department intrigues of the depravity of some registration clerks of an inspector of the sudden appointment of a new chief in the department of how the second mr Goyadkin had suffered quite without any fault on his part of his aged aunt pelagia Semenova, of how through various intrigues on the part of his enemies he had lost his situation and had come to petersburg on foot of the harassing and wretched time he had spent here in petersburg how for a long time he had tried in vain to get a job and had spent all his money had nothing left had been living almost in the street lived on a crust of bread and washed it down with his tears slept on the bare floor and how finally some good christian had exerted himself on his behalf had given him an introduction and had nobly got him into a new birth mr golyadkin's visitor shed tears as he told his story and wiped his eyes with a blue check handkerchief "'that looked like oilcloth. "'He ended by making a clean breast of it to Mr. Goyadkin "'and confessing that he was not only for the time "'without means of subsistence and money for a decent lodging, "'but had not even the wherewithal to fit himself out properly, "'so that he had not, he said in conclusion, "'been able to get together enough for a pair of wretched boots "'and that he had to hire a uniform for the time. "'Mr. Goyadkin was melted. "'He was genuinely touched.' even though his visitor's story was the paltriest story every word of it was like heavenly manna to his heart the fact was that mr golyadkin was beginning to forget his last misgivings to surrender his soul to freedom and rejoicing and at last mentally dubbed himself a fool it was all so natural and what a thing to break his heart over what a thing to be so distressed about to be sure there was there really was one ticklish circumstance but after all it was not a misfortune it could be no disgrace to a man it could not cast a slur on his honour or ruin his career if he were innocent since nature herself was mixed up in it moreover the visitor begged for protection wept railed at destiny seemed such an artless pitiful insignificant person with no craft or malice about him and he seemed now to be ashamed of himself though perhaps on different grounds of the strange resemblance of his countenance with that of mr golyadkin's his behaviour was absolutely unimpeachable his one desire was to please his host and he looked as a man looks who feels conscience-stricken and to blame in regard to someone else if any doubtful point were touched upon for instance the visitor at once agreed with mr golyadkin's opinion If by mistake he advanced an opinion in opposition to Mr. Goliadkin's, and afterwards noticed that he had made a slip, he immediately corrected his mistake, explained himself, and made it clear that he meant the same thing as his host, that he thought as he did and took the same view of everything as he did. In fact, the visitor made every possible effort to make up to Mr. Goliadkin, so that the latter made up his mind at last that his visitor must be a very amiable person in every way. Meanwhile, tea was brought in. It was nearly nine o'clock. Mr. golyadkin felt in a very good humor, grew lively and skittish, let himself go a little, and finally plunged into a most animated and interesting conversation with his visitor. In his festive moments, Mr. golyadkin was fond of telling interesting anecdotes. So now he told the visitor a great deal about Petersburg about its entertainments and attractions about the theatre the clubs about Berlyov's picture and about the two englishmen who came from england to petersburg on purpose to look at the iron railing of the summer garden and returned at once when they had seen it about the office about osufya Ivanovitch and andrei filopovitch about the way that russia was progressing was hour by hour progressing towards a state of perfection so that arts and letters flourish here today about an anecdote he had lately read in the northern bee concerning a boa constrictor in india of immense strength about baron brambius and so on in short mr golyadkin was quite happy first because his mind was at rest secondly because so far from being afraid of his enemies he was quite prepared now to challenge them all to mortal combat thirdly because he was now in the role of patron and was doing a good deed yet he was conscious at the bottom of his heart that he was not perfectly happy that there still was a hidden worm gnawing at his heart though it was only a tiny one he was extremely worried by the thought of the previous evening at al Ivanovitch's. he would have given a great deal now for nothing to have happened of what took place then it's of no matter though our hero decided at last and he firmly resolved in his heart to behave well in future and never to be guilty of such pranks again as mr goliadkin was now completely worked up and had suddenly become almost blissful the fancy took him to have a jovial time rum was brought in by petrushka and punch was prepared the visitor and his host drained a glass each and then a second the visitor appeared even more amiable than before and gave more than one proof of his frankness and charming character he entered keenly into Mr. golyadkin's joy, seemed only to rejoice in his rejoicing, and to look upon him as his one and only benefactor. Taking up a pen and a sheet of paper, he asked Mr. golyadkin not to look at what he was going to write, but afterwards showed his host what he had written. It turned out to be a verse of four lines, written with a good deal of feeling, in excellent language and handwriting, and evidently was the composition of the amiable visitor himself. The lines were as follows if thou forget me i shall not forget thee though all things may be do not thou forget me with tears in his eyes mr golyadkin embraced his companion and completely overcome by his feelings began to initiate his friend into some of his own secrets and private affairs andrei filopovitch and clara olsufina being prominent in his remarks Well, you may be sure we shall get on together, Yakov Petrovitch said our hero to his visitor. You and I will take to each other like fish to the water, Yakov Petrovitch. We shall be like brothers. We'll be cunning, my dear fellow. We'll work together. We'll get up an intrigue, too, to pay them out. To pay them out, we'll get up an intrigue, too. And don't you trust any of them. I know you, Yakov Petrovitch, and I understand your character. "'You'll tell them everything straight out, you know. "'You're a galless soul. "'You must hold aloof from them all, my boy.' "'His companion entirely agreed with him, thanked Mr. golyadkin "'and he, too, grew tearful at last. "'Do you know, Yasha?' Mr. golyadkin went on in a shaking voice, weak with emotion. "'You must stay with me for a time, or stay with me forever. "'We shall get on together. "'What do you say, brother, eh?' don't you worry or repine because there's such a strange circumstance about us now it's a sin to repine brother it's nature and mother nature is liberal with her gifts so there brother yasha it's from love for you that i speak from brotherly love but we'll be cunning yasha we'll lay a mine too and we'll make them laugh the other side of their mouths they reached their third and fourth glasses of punch at last and then mr Goliatkin began to be aware of two sensations the one that he was extraordinarily happy and the other that he could not stand upon his legs the guest was of course invited to stay the night a bed was somehow made up on two chairs. Mr. Golyadkin Jr. declared that under a friend's roof the bare floor would be a soft bed, that for his part he could sleep anywhere humbly and gratefully, that he was in paradise now, that he had been through a great deal of trouble and grief in his time. He had seen ups and downs, he had all sorts of things to put up with. Who could tell what the future would be? Maybe he would have still more to put up with mr golyadkin senior protested against this and began to maintain that one must put one's faith in god his guest entirely agreed observing that there was of course no one like god at this point mr golyadkin senior observed that in certain respects the turks were right in calling upon god even in their sleep Then, though disagreeing with certain learned professors in the slanders they had promulgated against the Turkish prophet Mahomet, and recognizing him as a great politician in his own line, Mr. Goliadkin passed to a very interesting description of an Algerian barber's shop, which he had read of in a book of miscellanies. The friends laughed heartily at the simplicity of the Turks, but paid due tribute to their fanaticism, which they ascribed to opium. At last the guest began undressing, and thinking in the kindness of his heart that very likely he hadn't even a decent shirt, Mr. golyadkin went behind the screen to avoid embarrassing a man who had suffered enough, and partly to reassure himself as far as possible about Petrushka, to sound him, to cheer him up if he could, to be kind to the fellow so that everyone might be happy and that everything might be pleasant all round. It must be remarked that Petrushka still rather bothered Mr. golyadkin you go to bed now peter mr golyadkin said blandly going into his servant's domain you go to bed now and wake me up at eight o'clock do you understand petrushka mr golyadkin spoke with exceptional softness and friendliness but petrushka remained mute he was busy making his bed and did not even turn round to face his master which he ought to have done out of simple respect did you hear what i said peter mr golyadkin went on you go to bed now and wake me tomorrow at eight o'clock do you understand why i know that what's the use of telling me petrushka grumbled to himself well that's right petrushka i only mentioned it that you might be happy and at rest now we are all happy so i want you too to be happy and satisfied and now i wish you good night sleep petrushka sleep we all have to work don't think anything amiss my man mr golyadkin began but stopped short isn't this too much he thought haven't i gone too far that's how it always is i always overdo things our hero felt much dissatisfied with himself as he left petrushka he was besides rather wounded by petrushka's grumpiness and rudeness one jests with the rascal his master does him too much honor and the rascal does not feel it thought mr golyadkin but there that's the nasty way of all that sort of people "'Somewhat shaken, he went back to his room, "'and seeing that his guest had settled himself for the night, "'he sat down on his edge of the bed for a minute. "'Come, you must own, Yasha,' he began in a whisper, "'wagging his head. "'You're a rascal, you know. "'What a way you've treated me. "'You see, you've got my name. "'Do you know that?' "'He went on jesting in a rather familiar way with his visitor. "'At last, saying a friendly good-night to him, "'Mr. Goliadkin began preparing for the night. "'The visitor, meanwhile, began snoring.' mr golyadkin in his turn got into bed laughing and whispering to himself you are drunk today, my dear fellow yakov petrovich you rascal you old golyadkin what a surname to have why what are you so pleased about you'll be crying tomorrow, you know you sniveller what am i to do with you at this point a rather strange sensation pervaded mr golyadkin's whole being something like doubt or remorse i've been overexcited and let myself go he thought now i've a noise in my head and i'm drunk i couldn't restrain myself Ass that i am i've been babbling bushels of nonsense and like a rascal i was planning to be so sly of course to forgive and forget injuries is the height of virtue but it's a bad thing nevertheless yes that's so at this point mr golyadkin got up took a candle and went on tiptoe to look once more at his sleeping guest he stood over him for a long time, meditating deeply. An unpleasant picture, a burlesque, a rather burlesque, and that's the fact of the matter. At last, Mr. golyadkin settled down finally. There was a humming, a buzzing, a ringing in his head. He grew more and more drowsy. Tried to think about something, to remember something very interesting, to decide something very important, some delicate question, but could not. Sleep descended upon his devoted head and he slept as people generally do sleep who are not used to drinking and have consumed five glasses of punch at some festive gathering chapter seven